Hi, friends. I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Missing persons cases are frustrating for many reasons. Sometimes it seems people just disappear into thin air. Sometimes it takes years of extensive efforts by police, families, and volunteers to locate a body. And sometimes, even then, there are no clear answers. Indigenous women go missing at an alarmingly disproportionate rate. And these cases are rarely solved for a variety of reasons. Join us this episode to hear some of these reasons, take a closer look at just one of one of these baffling cases, and to learn why we're frustrated that there are so many missing and murdered Indigenous women. Hey, hey, how are you? You know, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm chilling. <laughs> how are you? Eh, I've been better. Yeah, I, yeah. Because my migraine wouldn't go away. It was just a part <laughs> of this sickness that I still have. Uh, so if my voice sounds really sexy and scratchy, it's not because oh, it I'm, does. I'm suddenly a smoker or anything. It's because <laughs> I... I don't talk to people during the week. No, it's because I'm sick. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm sick this week, not COVID. I get this every year. Katie so delicately describes me as a 18th century rat. That's my immune system. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's pretty Uh. accurate of a description. I I usually get sick when the weather changes just in the slightest. So, yeah. Hi, junkies. How are you? And then we wait for answers like Dora the Explorer. (laughs) Where are the mountains? (laughs) I used to love that when she's standing directly in front of them. Idiot. (laughs) How do you not see mountains? Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so should I get into the drink? Yes, please. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) for our drink this week, I decided to give you guys a brief little history lesson. I promise that it's brief. Um, What I didn't know until I started Googling around for this drink is that there's like a huge stereotype with Native Americans and alcohol, like more specifically that all of them have drinking problems is like the stereotype. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) Oh, I only know it because of, I don't know, one of Seth MacFarlane's shows, Family Guy or something they had a really offensive native american like mascot which was named drunky like oh great <laughs> it was literally terrible and and they know what they're doing they're pointing out the offensive stereotype but like still it's i don't get it yeah. i don't know where it comes from um yeah i don't really either but according to a study done in 2013 by Ellers and Geyser, substance dependence is one of the leading health problems among Native Americans. However, it is similarly a problem in pretty much all other ethnic groups. According to AmericanAddictionCenters.org, the rate of alcohol use among Native Americans is actually lower than that of Caucasians, Hispanics, and African Americans. That's so weird. Then why is it? it? It's almost as if there's nothing else that they could pick on. So they focused on this thing that everybody has. You know what I mean? Yeah, basically the gist is many different types of people have drinking problems, but I don't have a problem drinking at all. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) Drink up, dead drunkies. (laughs) 
So our drink this week is something that tastes like it should be on a plate at Thanksgiving, and it's called the Cranberry Rosemary Champagne Cocktail. So first, what you're going to do is make a cranberry rosemary simple syrup. And this is made just like any other simple syrup with sugar and water, equal parts. But then you're also going to add four sprigs of rosemary, two cinnamon sticks, the juice of a lemon, and then eight ounces or two cups of fresh cranberries. And then that's going to boil down and you just strain it out, strain out the cinnamon sticks and the rosemary and all that. Then you're going to use three tablespoons of that a splash of orange juice, and then top it with champagne. And there's your cocktail. You can garnish with a cinnamon stick, an orange slice, frozen cranberries, rosemary, whatever you want to. Um, This recipe suggested using frozen cranberries to keep the drink cold. Ooh, that's a good idea. That sounds really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's from a website called uh, Parsnips and Pastries from Tiffany. So thank you, Tiffany, for this delicious recipe. That's a really cute website name, too. Yeah, right? I like that. <laughs> so, are you ready for the case? Drink up, dead drunkies. Woohoo! <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell after editing Tyranny Does Her Magic, but this episode is so discombobulated, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with giving you some facts. One third of indigenous women are sexually assaulted in their lifetime. They are more than twice as likely to experience violence than any other group of people. And they're murdered more than 10 times the national average. In Canada, although indigenous women and girls only represent 4% of their population, they represent 16% of female homicides. And this is seven times higher than for all other groups of women. Wow. And according to the 2014 report entitled Missing and Murdered Aboriginal Women, a National Operational Overview, more than 1,000 Indigenous women just in Canada were murdered over a span of 30 years. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And that's just in Canada. We will get to the United States because this episode is more focused on cases from the United States. So, like, what the fuck, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, is there a reason for that? or Unfortunately, there's like not just one reason, and we'll get to that later. But it's it's really scary. Yeah. If you guys have ever gone to school, which I'm assuming you have, you've probably <laughs> learned about Christopher Columbus. I shouldn't have. He's a garbage human, but many schools, unfortunately, don't teach their students that he was a garbage human and instead teach that Columbus founded America and we should thank him for all of his efforts But obviously the Native Americans were there first and the violence against them dates all the way back to our boy Chrissy C deciding it was a great (laughs) idea to use violence to port these people off their old land. And like it's literally called the Trail of Tears. So like I don't know how we can teach people that he's a hero when it's literally called the Trail of Tears. I don't know that that was him. Shut up. He came in and did the initial. Yeah, but them act. being forced off of their and land then, was the Trail of Tears, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't think he did that. I think that well, later he started Americans it. were like, oh, he started taking the land. For yeah, sure. but yeah, like, that's he what started, I mean. He started on his little island that he thought was India because he's a big idiot. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, he is. And then oh, he's not only a monster; they, he's an idiot. He's a big freaking idiot, and when. <laughs> And then when America was founded, Americans were like, this seems like a really good tradition. We should keep taking this land. 
Let's just keep stealing it. And then came the Trail of Tears, <laughs> I think. Okay, well, really it's all connected. It is all connected. It all stems back to our boy, Chrissy C. <laughs> I fucking hate him. That was, like, not supposed to be an endearing nickname. <laughs> it's not. It, doesn't, it sounds all like right. a really, really bad DJ. Yeah, that which was. Which is what he would be today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so I digress, but the point is that violence against indigenous people as a whole is not a new concept for us. This is a problem in the United States and also a huge problem in Canada, as I stated before. Because we are from the United States, as are most of our listeners, we're going to focus on the U.S. for this episode. If you guys do eventually want to hear more about Canada, we could do a part two. We'll get into why there's not a lot of information out there on that stuff. But let us know at Dead Drunk Crime or DeadDrunkPod at gmail.com if that's something you would like to hear more about because we can definitely do that in the future. So one of the most violent states in general in the United States is New Mexico. And because they are home to 23 Native American tribes, many, many indigenous women and girls disappear from New Mexico. According to the Visit Albuquerque website, these tribes include 19 Pueblos, three Apache tribes, and the Navajo Nation, all in New Mexico. In terms of missing and murdered indigenous women, New Mexico is ranked highest in the United States, with Washington right behind them. No shock there, don't go to Washington. And then Arizona is third. So I knew that these cases of missing and murdered indigenous women were not handled properly, but I honestly had no idea that it would be so difficult to even just get a list of names of these women that are missing. Even the missing persons database for New Mexico has very few listings of indigenous women, although some may be wrongly listed under Hispanic or white because that does often happen with these cases. The most comprehensive list of names that I could find after scouring the internet was on a Tumblr page actually, called Red Stick Progressive, and there are 171 names on this list, which obviously is nowhere close to the amount of people that are actually missing, but it was it was pretty much the best I could find. The youngest person on this list was one year old, while the oldest was 62, and I searched all of these names on this list. I could barely find anything on most of these women. There will be like one page, maybe with a picture of them on it, and it says, you know, went missing from here at this time. This is what they are not even like that at this time. Went missing from here on this day. This is what they look like. Let us know if you know anything. They're not even listed on the Charlie Project. I didn't find them on the Charlie Project. No, they might be, but I, I couldn't find them. That, it, that page didn't pop up when I Googled their name, if that makes sense. I wonder if they're more difficult to find because depending on where they lived i believe if you live on a reservation the reservation usually handles right and that yeah so i did hear in one of the videos i was watching from a person that i'm about to um mention that a, a lot of the times the government and the police don't really cooperate with um the tribes as much because they're kind of very separate so that is probably why that a lot of them aren't covered. But yeah, I have never been so frustrated doing research for this podcast. I can't even fathom the frustration coming from the families of these women. Why is nobody talking about it? Why is nothing being done? It's just insane to me. 
part of the problem is shocker the government woohoo um they don't really keep track of the people that are missing and all the data on them like they should like no but just it's like nobody cares or nobody's like doing their job um Anita Lucchese is the executive director of something I found called the Sovereign Bodies Institute, in which she has established a database for keeping track of these women. Oh, good. Since the government doesn't. Right. So she's kind of like taking it into her own hands. And I'm going to read straight from her website about what the database actually keeps a record of. Um, it says, the database logs cases of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two spirit people from 1900 to the present. There are many lists and sources of information online, but no central database that's routinely updated, spans beyond colonial borders, and thoroughly logs important aspects of the data, and overall, there's a chronic lack of data on this violence. The database works to address that need by maintaining a comprehensive resource to support community members, advocates, activists, and researchers in their work towards justice for our stolen sisters. The database originally included cases from the United States and Canada, but starting in 2019, we've expanded its reach to include all indigenous women, girls, and two spirit people. I don't know what the spirit people are. I think that would mean like spirit woman or shaman or some kind of yeah the spirit okay. workers. We will continue to pursue archival research in the U.S. and Canada, and we'll rely on partnerships with indigenous women's collectives and organizations in other regions to include our sisters indigenous to lands occupied by other colonial entities. The kind of information the database cares for is determined by ongoing consultation with indigenous communities. The database currently logs the following. About the victims, they log the name, the indigenous name, and the translation, the tribal affiliation, birth date, age, if they were a mother, or if they have other missing and murdered indigenous women cases in their family. They track the perpetrators for the murdered cases that are solved, their race, gender, and relationship to the victim. They track the violence, if they're missing or murdered, the incident date, violence perpetrated against the murder victim after they're deceased, the relevant issues like domestic violence, sexual assault, sex work, trafficking, uh, foster care, police brutality, tr if they're a trans victim, if they died in custody, if they were unsheltered, if they were at a residential or boarding school when all this happened. Then they also track the police and court response which is the reward amount, if there was any, the case classification, conviction status, and which entities located deceased individuals. And the last is the geography. They track the city, the state or province, the country, location type, tribal land, rural, urban, all that stuff. So that was all just me reading off the site. That's directly from this database. Um, unfortunately, the database is not public to everybody. But information can be requested through their website. I didn't go as far to request any information since, I'm number one, I'm not sure how long it would take. And number two, I'm not sure if they would even release anything to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure why they would. But I was happy to see that somebody is trying to keep track of these people. Yeah, that's great. It's a great resource. Yeah. According to Anita, she doesn't believe that there is one real reason why these women are going missing. To her, the uh, the unifying factor, quote unquote, of these cases is colonialism. People, unfortunately, tend to undervalue indigenous women. They view them as just sexy and easy to take advantage of. Or they see them as less than other people based on what we've been taught and what 
America has, you know, its founding origins and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, it, I think it could stem back to, I mean, Europeans too, because the Europeans thought that because they were white and they were quote unquote civilized, they could go anywhere they wanted and take advantage of any people they wanted. So right. So it's yeah. it's like centuries and centuries of this way racism. of thinking <laughs> of yeah. racism yeah you're right yeah <laughs> yeah let's call it what it is um and obviously not everyone feels this way but it is enough for it to be an ongoing problem like there's enough people out there that have these views you know right. what i mean that mm-hmm. act this way even if they're not consciously deciding that they're you know what i mean yeah i don't, I don't even know um, Anita Lucchese has been able to keep track of 1,800 cases on her database, 75% of which have happened in the last 20 years. So it it is a database since 1900, but like the majority of the cases happened in the past two decades. And if you calculate it, that's 1,350 women that are on her database. Wow. Which is just crazy to me. That's so many people. Yeah. That's Wow. Since New Mexico has the highest rate of crime against indigenous women in the United States, and since our usual format is to cover a specific case on each episode, I decided to search for a case from New Mexico to tell you guys details about, and I finally settled on the case of Mary Poblito, mostly because I was confident in pronouncing her name, (laughs) and because of all the women that I could find, this had the most details, um, and also, it's an open and shut case, which is unfortunately untrue for most of these women, but I thought it would be a good one to talk about. So, on May 16th of 2016, the body of Mary Poblito was found at the intersection of Allison Road and Maloney Avenue, which is near Gallup, New Mexico. She was found near a, like, stone wall. Okay. And there's apparent blunt force trauma to her head as well as bruising on her face ribs and armpit areas upon breaking the news to her husband javin poblito he seemed like a grieving husband however when he started to talk to detectives things just didn't seem to add up as they normally don't when we talk to husbands but it's fine mm. <laughs> um it seems so po- pretty sus yeah it's already <laughs> sus just wait So Poblito told investigators that a family friend was babysitting their children so that he and Mary could go out to dinner on May 13th, 2016. At around 8.30 to 9 o'clock, Poblito returned home alone and told the babysitter that he and Mary had gotten into an argument and that she got out of their car and stormed off. He claimed that he then went to a dam near the Black Rock Zuni area in New Mexico, waited there for about 30 minutes, and then decided to drive back and look for his wife where she'd exited the car. That doesn't make any sense yeah. already. Like, I, it I doesn't mean, make any sense. I guess in sense. his head, it's like, oh, I, I'm going to go cool off and then come back and look for her. I don't know. I mean, it's why wouldn't very... you just wait in the car? Like, why would know. you drive to if another location? If she's storming off, you're alone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You're already alone. So let's right. drive the car way away from her, leaving her on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. So when he got back to the intersection and she wasn't still there, Poblito says that he drove to an El Sabino store thinking that maybe his wife had gone there, which is kind of strange. Like, why would that be where she went? I'm not really sure. Yeah. 
When Pablito's Jeep didn't show up on the video surveillance at the store, though, police knew that something was definitely wrong with his story. And so they started to interview his friends. And one of them decided to talk, telling police that Pablito beat his wife, Mary, and left her on the side of the road. Well, how did that friend know that already? I, he must have told them. At the time her body was found, she had already been missing for three days. What? But her body's at an intersection. Was it like behind the wall? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. That's still... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know New Mexico. Maybe people don't... People probably don't walk. So... <laughs> I don't know what... I didn't Google map it. I don't really know exactly what it looked like, but... But let's get further into Javin, professional piece of shit. <laughs> yes. So, to corroborate the story that he had beat her and left her to die... DNA swab showed that her blood was found in his Jeep. Of course. <laughs> so eventually, Pablito confessed, saying that if he didn't kill Mary, she just wouldn't have left him alone. What? She's your wife. Why did you marry her if you... I'm... I just... I'm sorry. And I laughed before because how are you going to claim that you didn't kill her when there's just blood in your car? You didn't even, like, oh yeah, in the car? Yeah, I don't know a really bad look i don't want people to become professionals at this but <laughs> but don't be stupid basically yeah. javin yeah so i left out the best part police were actually pretty suspicious before interviewing javin poblito because he was actually the one that found his wife's body oh <laughs> yeah so I didn't want to tell you that in the beginning because then I know you all would have been like, he did it. He did it. Wait, I mean, like we he, knew he but, did do it. And he, but yeah, but that's everything is just the song is just in my head that don't be suspicious. Don't be. Suspicious. Yeah. Like, he oh, just, it gets better, though. It, it, it literally even gets better. Did he plead not guilty? That's the only way this could get better. <laughs> no, but Pablito claimed that a quote unquote medicine woman had come to him and told him that his wife's body was by a brick wall and some standing water. And then upon hearing this, he gathered up all of his friends and asked them to come search with him. So he got his friends all in his Jeep and then drove exactly to the location and was like, all right, everybody search. And within two minutes had found his wife's body. And then he just pretended that like, oh my God. When the police came. Yeah, a medicine woman wouldn't have told him that because she would have been able to know that he's the murderer. So he already knows. Isn't that insane? Yeah, a medicine woman told me where her body was and I I found her. It's like you knew where her body was because you killed her, you idiot. Yeah, it's almost as if he set up this big Easter egg hunt for his friends and was like, get out there. Yeah. Wonder who's going to find it. Like, fucking freaking idiot. Just... Yeah, he's just dumb. (sighs) So, as I said before, it's a pretty open and shut case, but that's not how most of these cases go, unfortunately. My hope when I began researching this episode was to give you guys a missing persons case with lots of details that maybe could lead to future conversations or brainstorming sessions and maybe possibly give somebody out there that may know more a chance to either, like, realize that they know more or finally come forward or something, but... The missing indigenous women out there have so little public information on them. And it's so frustrating that very few people are working to find justice for them. 
So I will link a couple places to donate in our show notes as well as a petition to sign. Um, I know New Mexico is doing some legislature in the coming months to try to get things moving uh, with this mission. Um, But something has to be done. I'm not sure what it is, uh, but hopefully this episode will at least spread awareness on this issue and get people talking about the missing and murdered indigenous women in the U.S. and in Canada. And that's it. I know what could help. Systemic change. Yeah, oh well, yeah, <laughs> of of course. But it, the way that that's going to happen is oh yeah, no, I know. probably going to be slow and probably going to take a lot of work. But hopefully, you know, there have been efforts recently to. That's good. I'm glad that New Mexico is working on it, is acknowledging the problem and trying to do something to. Right. Exactly. And they're they're trying to spread awareness so that more people. No, and I I mean I knew just from being like a true crime fan that um there was like an issue, but I I didn't really know the magnitude of it until I really started researching it. Yeah, me neither. All of those statistics were really just way worse than I had expected. I mean, obviously, like you said, from being in the true crime community, I knew that this was an issue especially for indigenous women, but I didn't I didn't know the extent of it. Yeah. It's really, really scary. And as Anita said, Anita Lucchese said, there's not there's not just one reason why. Um, I mean, all the aggressors of all of these people are all different. Like this, in Mary Poblito's case, it was her husband. But in other cases, it's, you know, it's all different kinds of people mm-hmm. with different relationships. So I like that Anita is trying to track the relationships to the victims to at least see if there's some kind of pattern there. And I'm sure that she's, she's finding that stuff out, but it's just not public. Yeah. That's probably for good reason. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That's or true. at least for specific reasonings from the tribes themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But people are doing stuff and I just hope that, you know, you'll, you'll listen to this episode and, you know, maybe sign a petition or uh, talk to your friends about it and, you know, get the word out there that this is a real problem. In the very least, you learned something today. Yeah, exactly. And like, just like I did. <laughs> so I do have a caboose. Do you want to plug our socials first? Sure. If you want to email us about missing women cases that we should cover or that you have links for us to donate to uh, that we should share, you can email us at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com. If you want to share your drink pictures or general memes about how Christopher Columbus is the worst person that America has ever seen, then you can send uh, tag us on Instagram at deaddrunkcrime. You can tweet at us at deaddrunkcrime. You could also come discuss it with us on Facebook on our discussion page or just send us a message on Facebook at Dead Drunk Discussions or just our page is Dead Drunk True Crime Podcast. You can also read all about this and find the extensive source list and probably that source list if you want to contact the database or all the other stuff on our website at deaddrunkpodcast.com And you can buy merch in our show notes and you can find the links to donate and sign petitions probably in our show notes as well yes 
Also, join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash dead drunk. We're still unlocking Israel keys. And we need some ideas of what to do after that because mm-hmm. we're like we're like halfway through. Yeah. Right? So yeah. So send us what you think we should do. We could do scary spooky things on our patreon too that's fun spooky, uh, speaking scary of that skeletons. don't forget that although she is not an indigenous woman nikki adamondo was also a victim of domestic violence and we are trying to raise funds to support her appeal you can join us on october 24th at 4 p.m on instagram live for a fundraiser for nikki where we'll be sharing purple drinks purple is the color of domestic violence so <laughs> so put your purple on and come join us yeah it's gonna be 24th. awesome we're giving away some cool stuff too so every dollar you donate gets you entered into a raffle uh we are raffling off a custom cartoon from my friend finale at limoncello on instagram and we're also going to be giving away some cool swag from the drifting souls boutique um, you can get a sweatshirt or t-shirt and a tumbler or mug from them. And they're so super awesome. And then I'll probably make some stuff too. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, so join cool. us October 24th at 4 PM. Don't yeah. forget, put it in your calendars or your phone or whatever you use to track what little appointments you have. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay. So to our chaser, I thought it would be fun. I found a teacher quiz, so I should be able to pass this, but I sure won't be able to. It says, can you pass this elementary U.S. history quiz? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Let's start with number one. From this list, who was not one of the first five presidents? John Adams, James Madison, Andrew Jackson, or Thomas Jefferson? Madison. Okay. <laughs> so John Adams was number two. Thomas uh-huh. Jefferson was number three. I know that James Madden was friends with Thomas Jefferson. Could James he have Madison, right? Not yeah. Madden. I said Madison. <laughs> oh, I heard Madden on this side and was James like Madden, Madden. NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I no. don't know. I I want to say Madison because I think that John Adams was in the first five, but I am probably John, wrong. John Adams is, is number two. Right. So you mean Andrew the other... Andrew Jackson is the other one. Oh, wait. But he wasn't no. even in Hamilton. It's him. Yeah, I think it's, it's him. him. Yes. Woohoo. He wasn't even in Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which country gifted the United States the Statue of Liberty? France. Yes. Where Lafayette was from. Okay. Nailed it. Um, which national park receives the most visitors every year? Around 11 million. Yosemite? Well, it's not an option, so I'm going to say probably not. Oh. Yellowstone, Rocky Mountain. Oh, that one. Great Smoky that Mountain. That one. Yeah. Okay. Or Grand Canyon. No, I think Yellowstone. It was the Great Smoky Mountains. What the fuck is that? I don't even <laughs> I don't know. If I was going to, if you asked me to name you national parks, I could tell you the one with the trees <laughs> in California. I can't tell you names. The one with the geyser, Yellowstone. Now I know. And the Grand Canyon. That's it. That's all I could tell you. <laughs> I don't know anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. Okay. Which of these states was not one of the original 13 colonies? New Hampshire, Vermont, Virginia, Georgia. 
Georgia. Right? Georgia? It was Vermont. Oh. F. <laughs> okay. What was the first state designated in the United States? Georgia, Delaware. Oh, my microphone is falling. Georgia, Delaware, New York, or New Jersey? It's Delaware. Isn't that their claim to fame? We're like the first state. Yeah. It's on their license plates. I didn't yeah. know that. I would have. That's all they have. Though. I would have probably <laughs> guessed. Uh, like New York or New Jersey or something. I don't know. Delaware always. I remember that because I always remember their license plate as like, like that grave from SpongeBob with it's Mitty Werben Jaegerman Jansen <laughs> where he's like, I was number one. Like yeah, Delaware's yeah, yeah. just like we were number <laughs> one. Nice. All right. What was the fiftieth state to join the United States? Hawaii, New Mexico, Arizona, or Alaska? I don't remember if it was Hawaii or Alaska, I don't but I think it was one of those. Maybe it was Hawaii. I feel like if I was Hawaiian, I would need more convincing. Yep. <laughs> it was Hawaii. Okay. Nice job. In which decade did the California gold rush peak? Fif- 1950s, the 40s. 1750s, 1810s, or 1850s? Wait, what? <laughs> the 40s is an no. option? Then the 50s, I guess. The 1950s or the 1850s or the 1750s? Oh, fuck me. I don't know. <laughs> the 1850s. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We did it. Okay. <laughs> Paul Revere wasn't acting alone the night of his famous midnight ride. He was part of a secret society. What's the name of this group? Is it the Freemasons? yes no the stallions the sons of liberty the sons of america or the liberty riders the liberty riders it was the sons of liberty i feel like i knew that Ah. one but i just i let you have it (laughs) all right you should i know (laughs) you shouldn't have given me yeah maybe All right. The Jazz Age was the era between the end of World War One and the start of the Great Depression. Which city is credited as the birthplace of jazz? New Orleans, Chicago, Boston, or New York City? I, I'm torn between New Orleans and Chicago, just so you know that I'm not, like, thinking about <laughs> all four of them. Like, I, I'm just... I don't know which one has the claim to it i want to say new orleans because i'm sure that it originated there but yeah it was new orleans okay how long did the civil war last four years six months two years or eight years fucking far too long if you ask me (laughs) um (laughs) uh i don't know eight 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 years it was four ah that's way better (laughs) <laughs> All right. Rosie the Riveter was a famous icon who encouraged women to go work during which war? World War II, World War One, the Vietnam War, or the Cold War? World War II. Wow, you're so smart. I just missed you. <laughs> <laughs> women earned the right to vote in 1920. Which amendment to the U.S. Constitution granted women the right to vote? 42nd, 19th, 3rd, or 12th? 42nd, that's a pretty solid number. That's the answer. So, 
I don't know. Yeah, no, it was forty two. It was the nineteenth, <laughs> and I definitely knew that one. <laughs> but I a- still according to I Doug- still clicked forty two. According to Douglas Adams, forty two is the answer to life's greatest questions. So it felt it felt like the oh, good one to go with. Yeah, I feel you. Seeing as I don't know what any of the amendments <laughs> are except for the second yeah, one. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All of these historical moments happened in the nineteen sixties, except one, which happened in the nineteen seventies. Can you name the moment that didn't happen in the sixties? What the <laughs> Got a question. Okay. <laughs> Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon. The U.S. voting well, age was 60s. lowered from 21 to 18. I would never know. John that. F. Kennedy was assassinated in the 60s. Martin Luther King gave his "I Have a Dream" speech. That was. I'm gonna say the voting age thing because I. Yeah. Yeah, everything else is 60s. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Three of the men pictured here were known as fav- famous bank robbers during the Wild West era, but one of them was a sheriff. Which is the famous sheriff? Butch oh Cassidy, God. Wyatt or Earp, Jesse James, or Billy the Kid? The second name. Why? Yeah, you're know. right. <laughs> he has one of those Fu Manchu mustaches. Okay. <laughs> we the people of the United States is the beginning to which historical U.S. document? The Constitution. Yeah, I was not going to give you anything. All right, we got 10 out of 15. That's not too bad. If I was doing it by myself, I think I would have gotten 12 out of 15, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tierney, and I just want to say I know U.S. history way better than Shelby, just so you know. But we all should have already known that. Yeah. The first day of U.S. history, junior year, they he put like a a map of the U.S. on my desk, and I had to just name the states. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. I, can't, I don't know. I know Texas, Florida, New York. <laughs> and then California, the big ones, you know, the <laughs> ones with the, and then you can, you can kind of guess the Dakotas, but like after that, mm, kind of screwed. So, yeah, I feel so, not my forte. <laughs> That's all right. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us, you guys. Um, and well, hopefully, well, you'll hear from us on Saturday with a spooky shooter and then hopefully Thursday next week. <laughs> I'm going to try to stop slacking, I promise. Either way, you'll get an episode from us. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here. <laughs> so best wishes. Warmest regards. <laughs>